Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together, Father, to study your word. Father, we pray that your word will go forth and will not return void. And we just thank you for hearts that are open and minds that are open to hear it, Father, that it will plant a seed. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. amen. Not a biblically correct joke, so please don't throw rocks. It's been a bad week for jokes. I got bunches of them I can't tell in church. I have zero I can tell in church. And this is not very funny. Y'all can deal with me. So one day St. Peter is at the gate and he's trying to shuffle through the people. But he's got an errand to run and he sees Jesus coming. And he says, Jesus, come here for a minute, buddy. Can you mind my station for just a second? I have an errand to run. And Jesus said, well, that's not really what I do, but sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. What do I got to do? And he said, well, you need to talk to them and figure out who they are, you know, what they did in their life and, and, and what tragedy they've been through, whether or not they deserve to be in the gates. Jesus said, I, I think I can do that. Okay, good. So St. Peter takes off. First guy comes up as an old wrinkled man. And Jesus is sitting there trying to, you know, think about his time on earth and the things that he went through. And he said, hey, uh, sir, uh, what did you do in your in your life on earth. And he said, well, I was a carpenter. I'm like, really? And Jesus was like, man, this is touching close to home. Dad, my daddy was a carpenter too. And he said, well, tell me about the most, the biggest tragedy you ever had to endure. And he said, well, I lost my son. And Jesus is more intrigued. He was like, man, this sounds like my story. And he said, well, how did he, how did you lose your son? And he said, well, he got holes in his hands and his feet. And Jesus leaned in and said, father? And the old man said, Pinocchio? <laughs> like I said, they're not all tens. <clears throat> Dr. Bill approved that. I just want y'all to know. Crystal did not approve that. Dr. Bill did. All right, so um, every year over the last couple of years that I've had the opportunity to speak on Palm Sunday, I try to focus on a different portion of what takes place during what we call Holy Week. From the time that Jesus triumphant entrance into Jerusalem when they laid their coats and palms down on the road to, to up until the Garden of Gethsemane when they arrest him and beat him and betray him and, and hang him on a cross and kill him for our sins. But I always try to focus on a different aspect of what takes place that week, right? Because you don't want to hear the same Palm Sunday sermon over and over. I don't want to tell, I don't want to preach the same Palm Sunday sermon over and over. So we always try to find a different aspect. So this week, we're going to talk about, and it's a weird title. In fact, it's a title that if you said it in the real world, people get aggravated with you sometimes. But we're going to celebrate early. Right? You ever been at a ball game and you thought it was in the bag and you started celebrating early and then things fell apart and then it wasn't as celebratory as you thought it was going to be? Well, see, what we're going to talk about is a... From the beginning, they celebrated early. All right? That makes sense in a second. So if you will, turn all the way to the back of your book. Like, like way back. Like, like Genesis, no, one more, Exodus. Okay? So in Exodus, so, so let's, let's, let's get to where we are in Exodus. So, so in Genesis, we got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, right? In, in the famine, the Israelites kind of moved to Egypt, and they lived and coexisted with the Egyptians for a couple hundred years. And then, you know, that... That relationship really went bad, and then the Israelites became slaves and not inhabitants, right? So if you get to, like, the middle of Exodus, Moses has already talked to Pharaoh a couple of times, like, like eight or nine times, and we've had some plagues, and we've had some stuff, and some things have happened, 
And God has demanded his people be turned loose. Um, and, and for whatever reason, not for whatever reason, because the labor was cheap and Pharaoh didn't want to do it, he would not turn his people loose. So if you will, Exodus chapter 12. And we're going to read, I'm going to read portions of 12 and parts of 12 and up and down in 12. Not all of 12, because it's a long chapter, and I don't read that great anyway. Um, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month for you is to be the first month of your year. And the whole, tell the whole community of Israel, the only tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If a household is too small, don't get a whole lamb, right? It goes through the whole thing, right? Um, verse 6, take care of them until the 14th day of the month. And when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. And then they are to take some of the blood and then to put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. And that same night they are to eat the meat roasted over fire. He tells them how to cook it, how to do it. This is everything that I want you to do. But this is a celebration. But a celebration of what? Because up until now we've had plagues and nothing's changed. In fact, it got worse, right? We got less straw. We had to make more bricks. We got beaten more. We had less to eat. So there's not been anything really to celebrate. But all of a sudden, we are preparing a, a, a celebratory meal of some great event. Right? It would be like going out the day before the championship and celebrating the championship. Right? I mean, everybody get it? The day before. It hadn't happened yet. But what happens is the final plague from God is going to be this horrendous time to where the death angel is going to come and kill every firstborn of every family. In the celebration, in the celebration, they take the blood and they paint it on the post and they paint it on the door frame, right? And they celebrate this meal and, and God tells them how to do it, how to cook it. How to eat it. Everything has to go. Everything has to be done. And this is how you should eat it. Verse 11. You are to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt. With your sandals on your feet and a staff in your hand. Eat in haste. Y'all ever eat with like you, you. I mean like I'm a contractor right. I don't ever take the screw gun to the table and hold my screw gun and try to eat. Or, Uncle Mike you don't eat a lot on the, on the lawnmower do you? You don't. I mean you don't eat on the lawnmower. I mean we. We normally, when we, we, we eat in a special a, a celebratory meal, we, we, we want to relax and take our time and enjoy it, right? Those are the best meals. You, you win the championship and then you go to the Mexican restaurant or wherever because that's about all months court it's gotten. And you, you sit down and eat the best nachos you've ever had in your entire life, right? As we celebrate the win, right? But they ate with everything ready to go, with their staff in their hand, their sandals on their feet, their robes tucked in. Why? Because they're ready to go. Because we're celebrating something that hasn't happened yet. That as the Passover comes, right? In, in, this is the first Passover. This is the first time that any of this had taken place. Um... All right, so that was verse 11, verse 12. And on the same night, I will pass through Egypt and I will strike down every firstborn, both people and animals. And I will bring judgment 
on all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord, and the blood will be the sign for you and your house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And this is the day that you are to commemorate for generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord in a lasting ordinance. So this is the first time to celebrate this exciting time forever. I want, I, I want you to establish this and I want you to celebrate it every year focused on what happened here today. Now notice we celebrated it before it happened. Like all of this, the stuff that we're reading, this is all before it happened. This is precursor. But I want you to understand, and I don't know if we're going to celebrate it today, but we're going to celebrate it forever. Now, see, it makes more sense, right? When, like, Joshua walked across the river, and they picked up the stones, and they built the altar to celebrate what God had done. They saw what God had done, and then they celebrated what God had done. It's difficult sometimes to where when we are still in the, we're still in the, the, the fight. We're still in the slavery. We're still in the whatever. We're still tied down that we're going to celebrate our freedom from it. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe it's a terrible job. That we're going to celebrate it before we get turned loose. In fact, in Hebrew, let's go there. <clears throat> I don't know why I write my scriptures down in order because when I start preaching it, I don't never follow the order. <laughs> ever, ever. I try hard, but it, I ain't smart enough to write it down. Um, Hebrews. Uh, chapter 11, right? It's the Hall of Fame. It's the faith chapter. Well, I mean, there was a lot of stuff Moses did, right? So let's start at 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as Pharaoh's, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to be enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. 26. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ a greater value than all the treasure of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. 27. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw... Him who is invisible. 28. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And then 29. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to follow them, they were drowned. See, when we put the blood on the doors and the doorposts, we were celebrating early, but we were not celebrating early on. They were not celebrating early on their ability. They were celebrating a promise of God that was already established. Right? God came to Aaron and Moses and said, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And so when they did it, right, with two million people, every household painted this blood on the door and the doorpost. Heck, we can't get every household to show up at church on Sunday, but every household painted the blood on the door and the doorpost by faith. They did it by faith. They celebrated in faith. They sacrificed a the lamb in faith. 
I mean, if you look at the natural and the situation they had been in and the frogs and the river had turned to blood and all the stuff, right? And the, the crazy that they had been in, including the, the years of slavery and being beaten and tortured and killing their kids and all the stuff. It probably was pretty difficult to have faith enough to say, I am going to take my house and paint blood on the door. I mean, I think it would be difficult to take blood to my house and paint it on the door. Y'all don't? Y'all ever smell blood just a couple days old? It ain't all that nice at all. But by faith, they understood that what God said and God's word was true. And they celebrated early. They painted the blood on the door. They did what God told them to do. And what happened? Oh, all I read so far was the instructions. So if you get further down into them, the, it, it tells that they went at once. Uh, verse oh, 22 or 21. They go at once and select animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb and take a branch of hyssop and dip it into the blood. And put some blood on the tops and the sides of the door. And when the Lord comes through to strike down the land, he will see the blood. Right? All the stuff that he said he was going to do. We're just doing it again. And 24, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. So if you're going to celebrate Palm Sunday, right? Which is what we're doing today. And you think about what happened that week. What was happening that week? They were preparing for Passover, right? Everybody was going to Jerusalem to prepare for Passover. Now, I would like to say that the Israelites did exactly this. Oh, first, how many, how many Passovers do you think was between, like, Moses and Jesus? Anybody know? Nobody really knows, but they, they say it's around 1,520, right? 1,520. You know, so you think about how many 4th of July's was between now and 1776. Not that many, right? 245 or whatever we've been celebrating it. 1,520-ish, somewhere in that general vicinity, right? I think they say it's like 1,450-something. It, 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 I mean, you can do the math, right? Uh, they, didn't, they didn't put it in their calendar. They didn't save it in their iPad. So it's hard to tell exactly what days we're talking about. But about 1,500 years between Moses and Jesus, right? But... In a period of time in the middle, the Israelites actually got away from this, right? They got away from celebrating the Passover. They got away from honoring God. And what happened? Death and destruction. It was never good, right? And when they started coming back to God and celebrating the Passover, it was not with the same heartfelt zeal that they had before, right? It had become much more of a well, this is what we're supposed to do. We walk this way. We talk this way. We do this. We wash our hands. But everybody was coming to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. <clears throat> the reason there was a crowd when he came in on Palm Sunday is because everybody was there. It's like uh, going to Charleston uh, that second Saturday in February, right? If you want to go to Charleston second, downtown Charleston second Saturday in February, there's lots of folks, right? Thousands and thousands of folks from all over. Why? Because seaweed is that weekend. And everybody's there to celebrate seaweed, right? If you don't know what seaweed is, ask Mr. Bill or Uncle Mike. They go all the time. But it, it is the Southeastern Wildlife Expo. But they go, everybody shows up to celebrate this thing, right? So the Passover, everybody came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. 
So Jesus was just doing, they were doing what everybody else was doing, what all of the Israel, all of the Jews were doing. They were coming to celebrate the Passover. All right? So, 1,500 years, we, we celebrated early, right? And then it happened, 1,500 years later, um, if we can, a gospel according to, let's go Luke first. The gospel according to Luke, Chapter 22. <clears throat> I'm starting with the first verse. Now the festival of the unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus. For they were afraid of the people. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, verse 3. Then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the high priest. And the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he would, might be, betray Jesus. And they were delighted and agreed to give him money. And he consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. All right. Um, seven. Then the day of unleavened bread, which was on Passover land, had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Right. We have to go through this. We were going to go. Well, let's read it all. I like this part anyway. Uh, verse 9, where do you want us to prepare it for? He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to his house that he enters. And the owner of the house, tell him the teacher asks, where, where is the guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make the preparations there, which I think is pretty amazing. Um... Flip real quick, Matthew 26. And, 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 you know, if you read the Gospels much and you compare them back and forth, there's a lot of things that said here and said there, but it's little pieces that they realize and little pieces that they realize that makes the story complete. 26.1, and when Jesus had finished saying all of these things, he said to his disciples, as you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Now, he tried so many times to tell them that when the Passover came in Jerusalem, that that was going to be the time he was betrayed and killed. And they never seemed to be able to understand it. And a lot of times he talked about it in parables and in teachings and in different ways. But right here, pretty clear. Two days, the Son of Man, me, right, referring to me, will be handed over and crucified. Now, I just want you to know that this is the day before Luke talked about Satan entering Judas, right? Right? Two days before, that was the day of. So Jesus knew the plan before we got there, right? There was no surprises, no secrets, no nothing. But the Passover, the first time, was where the blood of the unblemished lamb was painted on the doorpost. Right? That that sacrifice was made to cover all of Israel from God's wrath and destruction. The Passover, for the next 1,400 and however many years, still celebrated the lamb being killed. Even this one, up until now, they had no idea what was going on except for they were going to get a small little goat without spot or blemish. And they were going to kill him and they were going to cook him over fire. The whole thing, exactly the same. But the second Passover, and I know there was 1,400 and however many... But the second Passover, the lamb was 
blemish, without blemish, and without blame, and without sin, was still being prepared for the sacrifice to where his blood is going to pay for my sins. Right? Amen. See how it works? First Passover, little goat. Second Passover, the Son of God. Not counting the, the 1,400 in the middle where we remembered it. The actual two times that there was a Passover and a real sacrifice made was represented in the first one in Egypt with a death angel and the second one in Jerusalem with Jesus. So how do we know that that's who Jesus is? Well, very good question. I'm glad y'all asked. Gospel according to John. In the first chapter... In the 29th verse, now, you know, the, the gospel according to John is one of my favorite. It's been in the beginning of the word where the word was God and the word was with, was with God and nothing was created without him. And it talked about all the things that were John was prophesying about the Messiah. Verse 29 is John the Baptist, not John the author. Verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and proclaimed, or in the NIV it says said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The one without spot or blemish. Three years prior to where we are now in Jerusalem celebrating the Palm Sunday, John prophetically announced that that is the Lamb of God and he is coming here to take away the sins of the world. Now, when you go back to the original Passover, right? Everybody in the, the Israeli nation was covered by the blood of a spot, spotless, spotless non-spotted, non-blemished, perfect lamb. But it was only for them. It was only for the Israelites. They did not, too, go to the Pharaoh's people or to the Egyptians and say, Hey, by the way, if you kill a lamb and you do it like this and you do all of this stuff and then you paint the blood on the door, you'll be okay. But if you don't, it's going to be really bad. The first time the Passover was celebrated, it was celebrated 100% for the chosen people of Israel. For the next 1,500 years, they failed to honor that. When Jesus showed up here in John 1, John proclaimed, There comes the Lamb of God, and he is for the sins of the world. Not the chosen people, not just the Israelites, not all of the things that had taken place. He comes, that, that right there, that is the blameless Holy One, who was sent for the sole purpose to be in Jerusalem on the Passover, on Palm Sunday, to be prepared for a sacrifice to where his blood would pay the penalty for my sins and yours. And before he was sacrificed, they had the victory meal. As they set preparing for what was getting ready to take place, as they were going to celebrate the Passover, they had the meal before the sacrifice was made. Let's go read that one. <clears throat> Uh, back to the gospel according to Luke. Luke does a good job explaining some of them details. He really does. Um, 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 uh. 
I don't want to, I know I bore y'all with reading. I don't want to read too much. But we'll go to verse 14. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and he divided it among. <clears throat> Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he said to them, this is my body given for you and do this in remembrance of me. Wait a minute. We talked about that like two Sundays ago. We celebrate the Passover in our church. We do it once a month. We celebrate it as an opportunity to come and honor the same sacrifice that was made. This, he, he's, he's, he explains it right here. I want you to do this in remembrance of me. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So, as we celebrate, we celebrate before the sacrifice was made too. Are you standing up for me? Okay, we got a new crowd. Um, so we celebrate before it happens too. So they celebrated a Passover meal before Jesus was turned over, right? And, and, and so what happens is, is he tells that, you know, whoever dips after mine is going to betray me. And everybody wants to know who the betrayer is. And then Judas gets up and he goes and does what he's supposed to do. But it's in the Passover meal that he tries to explain to them that I came here for my body to be broken for your healing. I came here for my blood for your salvation. If you go back to the original Passover, it was the lamb's body that was broken and the lamb's blood that was shed and the lamb's flesh that was consumed that consecrated and celebrated the Passover in Egypt. When we moved to the second Passover, it was Jesus' body that was broken. It was Jesus' blood that was spilled. That he consecrated and he celebrated a Passover before it happened. <clears throat> I'm almost done. First John, First uh, uh, John one five. And we'll just read five. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you: that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. And if we have fellowship, if we claim we have fellowship in Him, yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not have the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son purifies us from our sin. I have two more scriptures. We're not going to get to that. So when we celebrate this week, it is Holy Week. We don't celebrate Passover like they celebrated Passover. We celebrate the death, the crucifixion, the death, and the resurrection of a risen Savior. Our celebration is different. We don't continue to kill a lamb every year because my lamb has already been slain. 
that he died one time for our salvation and it was not a requirement for that sacrifice to be made over and over and over again because where the lamb was good to cover for one year, Jesus, the Son of God, came here to deliver us from our sins, the sins that we had committed before we were saved, while we were saved, and after we were saved, that His blood is poured out on the altar in heaven to cover us in our salvation. So, you say, did they celebrate early? Absolutely they celebrated early. But they did it in a very prophetic way. If you go back to Joshua, Joshua celebrated early. And you go, oh, wait a minute, Joshua didn't celebrate. He did. When they were walking around the walls of Jericho, they yelled before the walls went down. David prophesied that his victory was in the battle when he faced Goliath. All of God's people, when they're faced with this, they celebrate before the victory. Why? Because the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that God is Lord. So when we read, the, when we read to the end, we already won. So no matter what situation we're in now, we should be celebrating early. We should take every day the opportunity to celebrate our salvation, that we've been redeemed from the curse, that we've been blessed coming in and blessed going out. We should be celebrating the grace and the glory of God every day. Not on a specific day because that's the day it happens. Every day. Every day. Because we worship a living God with a risen Savior. We have reason to celebrate every day. So did they celebrate early? Yeah. He was in the beginning before anything was created. He's in the end after everything's over. And he said, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, they will never pass away. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity to come together, Father, to, to worship you, to hear your word. And we just give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. If anybody has a need for prayer, if they'll come up, I'll be happy.